Lord, we do thank you for the wonderful privilege of gathering together in your presence. We confess, Lord, there is such an abundance at your table. We come, Lord. We sit down around this table and we receive of the abundance of your house, the abundance of what you have done. We thank you for loving us so. And now, Lord, as we have the opportunity to meditate on your word together, even to share testimonies of what you're doing among your people, we make ours the words of this wonderful hand. We pray that by your grace there would be a further seeing of yourself. We pray that you would cause our blind eyes to see. We pray that this wonderful prayer would be our prayer. Thou art the fairest of thousands to me. We commit this time into your hands, Lord. We confess that without thee we can do nothing. And yet, Lord, we are so aware that all it takes for you is to take those five loaves, the two fishes, and break it and distribute it, and we will be satisfied in the abundance of yourself. Would you, Lord, even now do just that? Meet us with something of you, we pray. And we we ask the things in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. I would like to just read a couple of scriptures as we begin. If you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Gospel according to Matthew. We want to read a couple of verses in chapter 12 and then in chapter 13. Matthew chapter 12, verse 42. The Queen of the South will rise up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold something greater than Solomon is here.第十二章，马太福音四十二章四十二节，当审判的时候，南方的女王要起来，定这世代的罪，因为她从地级而来，要听所罗门所所罗门的智慧话。看呐，在这里有一人比所罗门更大。Towards the end of the chapter, in verse forty-eight，四十八节，But Jesus answered the one who was telling him. And said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards the disciples, he said, Behold, my, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. 就伸手指着门徒说看啊我的母亲我的弟兄凡遵行我父旨意的人就是我的弟兄姐妹和母亲了 
and in chapter 13, let's read through verse 12. For whoever has to him, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see, and while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of these people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and return. And I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. 第十六、第十七节，但你们的眼睛是有福的，因为看见了你们的耳朵也是有福的，因为听见了。我是在告诉你们，从前有许多先知和异人要看你们所看的，却没有看见，要听你们所听见的，却没有听见。And then in Second Corinthians chapter eleven, we would like to read two verses from that chapter. 哥林多后书第十一章。Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verses two and three. 哥林多后书第十一章第二第三节第二第三节第二第三节第二第三节第二第三节第二第三节第二第三节第二第三节第二第三节第二第三节第二第三节第二第三节第二第三节第二第三节第二第三节第二第三节第二第三节第二第三节
I spent a couple of days in a town called Santa Clara. Right, right in the middle, the island is very, it's west to east, it's kind of an elongated thing, it's right in the middle, west to east. So I spent most of my time was in Santa Clara and in a, in a place where was in Santa Clara and in a place there was a camp that happened in the vicinity of Santa Clara. And it was a precious opportunity to meet these brothers for the first time and to minister the word of the Lord with them. So I was asked to share a testimony with you all about that time. Uh, it's something quite different for me. Uh, and and here is here is the deal. Uh, I don't want to share a testimony about myself, about what I share with them. But the testimony here is more about those things. Uh, and I'll explain to you the motivation for this. Uh, you know, uh, our dear brother Christian, uh, a couple of months before being called home, he had the opportunity also to visit those things in Santa Clara. And he went with her sister Olive. I believe that's December 2016, if I'm not mistaken. She can correct me later. Now, <laughs> well, when, as you remember, when our brother usually he would go out to any trip, he would bring that matter for and his custom was as he returned he would give us a report whatever trip he used to go and, and I remember I, I had the privilege to be in that prayer meeting when he was coming back from Santa Clara and gave us a report and well, our brother said something that was a bit unusual for, you know, I never heard him saying something like this in his reports to us. Essentially, he said something like, so if you ever have the opportunity to go among these saints, you should not ask the Lord how you can help them, but you should ask the Lord how they can help you. I felt that's quite unusual. It's, it, you know, he, our brother was uh, a man of few words, I would say. And I found that deeply impressive, what he said. And I, I didn't understand it, actually. I think that having this opportunity to be among those saints, I think that I touched a little bit, perhaps, of what our, our brother meant. 
那我这次与弟兄姐妹们一同相处，我就实在是能够体会到我们弟兄所分享的一点。Very quickly, as I came to know them in that very short period, somehow I got to touch very quickly indeed something of Christ in those saints.那实在很快的，他们接触的时候就很能够很快的就能够感觉到基督的生命在他们里面。So that is the the, the Motivation for this time is to share something about those impressions, not about myself, but more about those saints, what I perceived in them, what impressions were caused in my heart by coming to know them and minister I was reminded of a verse in Romans chapter 8 when Paul says that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. That's Romans 8, 16, right? The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And this is referring to the experience of every true child of God. If we are born from above, born from the Spirit, something inside you, the Holy Spirit Himself that came to dwell in you, will testify in your spirit you belong to Him. But this is an individual experience. It's between you, the born-again believer, and the Holy Spirit. However, I get the impression that there is, to a certain degree, this is also experienced in a corporate level. When we get in touch with those that belong to the Lord, and I'm sure this is not, nothing new to you, I'm sure this is something that many, many of you can testify. When you get to know and get in touch with someone that belongs to the Lord, something inside you testifies, He is my brother, she is my sister. The same Holy Spirit that dwells in you dwells in them. And of course, there is a testimony here. Something will correspond to each other. Same family. Well, that very strong feeling and impression was there almost from the beginning. So now you know this, this is not a message per se. Take it like some of my impressions as I got to touch something of Christ in them and vice versa. So I want to tell you a little bit of that experience and read some scriptures that uh, it occurs to me, or it's my impression, that maybe can help us to understand some principles in that process. So before I tell you something of the saints per se, let me 
like in a parenthetical way, just say uh, of something that to me was a very particular blessing. So we, we all know what the Lord Jesus declares in Matthew chapter 16. I will build my church. Now, the, the particular blessing to me was to have a first-hand witness of the Lord building His church maybe in a place that you know, I'm not used to see this every day. I have wonderful fellowship with saints here in Flushing, in New York, and perhaps in other places. And I get to see something of that building. But, sorry. It's a wonderful privilege, or at least to me, to have this first-hand experience of seeing the Lord building His church in a scope that transcends your day-to-day. You know what I mean? It's wonderful to see that after 2,000 years, our Lord Jesus is still building His church. And to see a certain universality of that building. So it's it's not something confined to the place where you live. You get to see what we read in Revelation that he has redeemed man from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. I'm absolutely sure that you know this very well. I'm not sharing this as a novelty. I just want to convey, I'm sure, in a very inadequate way, what kind of blessing it is when you get the, the kind of the front seat row into seeing that in action and seeing that beyond your your borders or your your scope, so to speak. I'd like to to tell you a thing or two about the things there in, in, in Cuba and more particularly in Santa Clara. So it seems very evident that there is a mighty work of the Lord happening in Cuba as a whole. I'll try to explain what I mean. More particularly in that little place called Santa Clara, right in the middle of the island. Santa Clara is a a town of 300,000 people. And basically, is a university town. Lots of young people there. Many college students there. And despite the communist regime that is, is the political status quo in the island, 
And the atheism that comes with that, that they grew up in that, with that philosophy. Lots of people, despite that, lots of people have been coming to the Lord throughout the last couple of years. And that's what I mean that there seems to be a very definite, strong move of the Lord in the island. I had the privilege to talk to saints that had visited the island before. If this is not from this visit. In fact, it's a brother from South North Carolina, I believe. Uh, uh, and of course, uh, I should have said this before. This whole thing was mediated, this whole trip and visit was mediated by our bro- dear brothers Ben and June Hubert. I'm sure many of you know this the saints. They have been in our midst several times. But speaking to another brother, another couple that they used to go with Ben, or they still go with them on a regular basis to visit Cuba. Uh, this brother share with me this, the, the following impression. He said, to me when I go there, it seems that I'm witnessing revival, something in a large scale that the Lord is doing. And he's referring to that openness to the gospel. So the fact that many, many are coming to the Lord. And that they are being built up together. In fact, that openness is kind of so clear that even people from the military, the officials that somehow oppose in a communist regime, this is not nothing new for you, but in a communist regime, this is not even completely啊，就他们是如此的敞开的，即使在在他们的军军营里面，就是这些军人，那在共产党里面，他们不算是完全合法的。And in, in this group in Santa, this company of saints in Santa Clara, they have something around like 160 home gatherings. That, that's, there is a general gathering on Sunday, but then they have 160 home gatherings in this small town of three, 300,000. In each one of these home gatherings, around they tell me between 10 and 30 people per home fellowship. Between 10 and 30 per 
那在他们这些家庭聚会里面，呃，就是有大概十到三十个人左右。So you get a sense that for a town of three hundred thousand, there is something of some sort of scale happening there.那就是三十万人口的这个城市里面，那实在是有很大的一个工作在里面发生。In fact, uh, if you do the math, that means that they have like there is a good couple thousand people in that company.那大概有几千人在这里面。and when they gather together, their place is probably just slightly larger than this room. In other words, when they gather on, a, on Sunday and everybody comes together, it's not quite everybody that is coming together. It's uh, a fraction of those saints can gather together every Sunday. Now let me give you another little fact. So something that impresses you deeply as you go to Cuba and visit the, the saints or the country is the harsh economic situation that they have. I don't know how to, how to explain this. It's probably the geopolitical situations and, and embargoes and all that kind of stuff. For whatever reason, the island is very isolated economically, and the population feel that they feel that pain of economic uh, limitation very, very severely. So, I was told that to give you an example of what that means, that food there is rationed. You're allowed per month to get a little packet of rice, a, a really small one, it's not a bag like this size, a small little, a small little packet of beans, and that is like your ration. And of course, you have your little salary, which I hear is something like between, oh, I'm forgetting how to translate it, between 30 and 40 dollars a month, something like that. So as you visit them, immediately you're stricken almost by. What a harsh economic situation they face. As you're there, they'll treat you as royalty, really. The, the saints are kind of, their hearts go after you. But then you, very quickly, you come to realize how much it costs them to treat you in that way. Now, a, a very unusual combination that I, I got to sense here in this visit is that despite this very harsh economic situation, you have the unusual combination of a population that is highly cultured. That, that was my impression. In their, in their system, higher education is a right 
for every single citizen. 那对他们来说，高等教育是一种权利。那对所有的百姓来说，他们都可以能够得到高等教育。So the norm is for every young person to go to college.那对每一个人来说，能够上大学是正常的。So when you get to speak to them, you get immediately a sense, wow, it's it's like above average.那你跟他们交谈的时候，你就发现他们的这个教育程度是非常高的。You know, I, I come from Brazil. And I, I feel more comfortable to do some comparisons for where I grew up. And the economic situation in Brazil is completely different. I wouldn't say that it's like the US is not that level of affluence. But it's a way more if you're in the middle class there or something, it's it's a way more comfortable lifestyle, I'll put it that way. But ironically, when you when you're talking to these people, most of them are kind of it's not like misery, right? It's it's a poverty, you can tell. But with some sort you can touch the dignity and all that. But what it really impresses you is at the same time everybody is like highly cultured and, and they're talking to you as well. What is this? As a matter of fact, as I was staying with them during this period, I was reminded of some verses of scripture more specifically in regards of this economic dire situation in which they live. I was reminded of how often our estimation of things and the Lord's estimation is completely different. So, in Revelation chapter 2, when the Lord addressed the Smyrna, He says, I know your poverty, but you are rich. Being among the saints, you get exactly that impression spiritually. Economically, materially, very poor. But spiritually rich. As a matter of fact, at times I was wondering, is this poverty materially? Perhaps it's a almost like a blessing in disguise to them. 那我们感觉上好像他们经济的这个贫穷好像对他们来说其实算是一种祝福 Because they don't have the affluence with all the distractions, mind you, that come with it You know what I'm talking about, right? 那他们没有像我们在我们这些与富足的地方就是有些的这些的诱惑 In our very affluent lifestyle we have a gazillion distractions that come with that 那在稍微比较好的这个生活方面有许多的这个 the impression that you get, yes, what a poverty, what a, what dire economic situation, and yet there are some riches of Christ that you cannot miss when you when you touch the saints. 
Well, these are more external facts, uh, some that I, I'm trying to paint a picture here. I would like to switch and give you some impressions that I have or that I had as I touched this entering in contact with the saints. One of the impressions that deeply uh, caused something very deep inside me is a sense of how deep a hunger for the word of the Lord his brothers and sisters possess. It's something almost humbling to be among them. Because it's tried to so intensely. What a desire for the word of the Lord among them. You know, I, I, I believe it's Watchman Nee that said one time something in the following lines. He said, listen, he was talking about the ministry of the word. And his, his impression is that the audience can be like a sponge for the, the one that is ministering the word. Or in other cases, the, the audience can be like a brick, right? Put brick in the water, nothing happens. There is no absorption. You know, brothers, uh, I'm so deeply grateful because I'm very, very conscious and sure that there were so many prayers in my behalf, in behalf of the whole trip that were offered for you, by you, and by many other saints in, in, in several places. I don't want to discount that in any way. And yet, on the other hand, in a way, it is almost feels almost easy, and I'm putting this quote unquote, bear with me in my limitation. It's almost easy to share the word of the Lord with the saints. There is a heart that is so eager to receive the word of the Lord. It's almost humbling that that experience. You can go on and on and they will receive it. They will receive it. And it's almost like give us more. I feel that this explains a lot of that spiritual condition that you get to see among them and, and why you can see the Lord doing such work in their midst. It reminds me of a reminds me of a verse in Psalm 107. In that Psalm in verse 9 we read this. For he, speaking about the Lord, for he has satisfied the thirsty soul, and the hungry soul he has filled 
asking for is good. 107 Do you see the spiritual principle here? When the Lord can find hunger in his people, a desire for him, a desire for his word, he will satisfy that abundantly. 对他有可慕的,就是那么饥饿的这些人的话,他会满足他们的希望。Think on the opposite, think on the contrast, think for instance on Laodicea.我们想想看,就是在另一方面我们来看老底家。What is the spiritual attitude of that group of saints?那他们,那些圣人,他们的属灵的态度是如何呢?They say, I am rich. I have become wealthy. I have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind. You see the contrast here? On the one hand, when there is hunger, the Lord can satisfy. When there if on the other hand there is complacency, there is a sense of, well, you know, I, I got there, I have enough. It's almost as if we are putting a wall between us and the Lord. That's the first impression I had about these dear brothers and sisters. They hunger for the word of the Lord. Another thing that impressed me about them is related to the verse we read in the beginning in 2 Corinthians 11. Paul speaks of a simplicity and purity of devotion due to Christ. He says that he's presenting, his, his work was to present those Corinthian believers as a pure virgin to one husband, which is the Lord Jesus. But in order for that to happen, there is a simplicity and a purity that has to happen on our side for that union with the Lord to happen. I think I was able to touch something of that simplicity among our brothers and sisters there in Santa Clara. You don't get the sense of something that is too organized. Instead, you get the sense of, of life growing organically. And boy, what a difference between something organic out of life and when something is happening out of pure human organization. Now, 
you know, I went there in vacation time for them. So one of the things that unfortunately I did not witness uh, firsthand was the house to house, the many groups that are gathering together throughout the week. Hopefully for another occasion. But when I heard about that, I couldn't help but be reminded of how the church began as we read it in the book of Acts. You remember as soon as the church is born, the Holy Spirit comes down. And those hundred twenty Units or 120 individuals somehow are baptized in the Holy Spirit in a single body. And that out of that life that they have in the Lord by the Holy Spirit, naturally they simply start to gather together from house to house in all the simplicity that we read in the book of Acts. It's not a matter of human organization. It's a matter of organic life. The life of Christ in the believers being expressed spontaneously. The simplicity due to Christ. In the verses Second Corinthians we read, Paul speaks of simplicity and purity. And purity. And perhaps that's something that also strikes you very deeply when you touch the saints. Almost immediately, you get to sense that there is a singleness of heart towards the Lord. As I told you, I suspect that there is a blessing in disguise happening. That so many of the distractions that, that we have, they don't have it available. I think they're tremendously blessed because of that, and you touch it. It's right there in your face. It seems that this matter of singleness of heart is an absolutely tremendous, vital key in terms of spiritual experience. And that these saints are laying hold of that by the grace of the Lord. We read some verses from Matthew 13. I would like to kind of concentrate a little bit on these verses. Because somehow, when I thought about their condition after the fact, it seems to me that it explains so much of what is going on among them. 
当我们看到他们光景的时候，回来之后，我就发现到这些经节是能够解释到他们所经历的。So one of the verses we read in Matthew 12 and 13 is a verse that seems a little enigmatic. Our Lord Jesus says, "For whoever has 13:12, right? For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him." 那我们就看这边看到凡有的还要加给他凡有余的凡他有余凡没有的连他所有的也要夺去。You see, it seems that our Lord is stating a principle in this verse. There is a spiritual condition in us that will determine how much He can give to us. 那在这边好像是主开了一个条件，就是你如果满足了这个条件，他就能够赐给我们。No, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to suggest that it's not by grace. Everything is going to be by grace in our Christian lives. And yet, our response to His grace will determine if the Lord can give us even more or if what we have will be eventually taken away from us. So I don't know if you ever asked this question, but let's think in Matthew chapter 13 and the immediate context. The Lord is saying, for whoever has, to him more shall be given. What is this thing that they have? And what is more than is given? And then there is people that do not have, and then even what they would do they have is taken away from them. What are those things? When you read chapter 13, the, the chapter of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, we can never forget that chapter 13 and chapter 12, they're essentially a unit. The context for chapter 13 of Matthew is given to us in the preceding chapter. So if we want to appreciate what is this thing that some people have and more is given to them, what is the thing that they do not have and then even the, the little that they have is removed, you have to understand something from chapter 12 to appreciate that. I'll try to be very simple But in chapter 12 is the chapter where the rejection of our Lord Jesus is in a way becomes final beyond any any way back from the religious authorities of his day. You remember how when our Lord Jesus he healed a man that was blind, he was dumb, he couldn't speak, and he was demon possessed. Our Lord Jesus cast the demon away, opened the eyes of the blind. And if you remember, there is something quite unique in that miracle. If you read carefully the Old Testament, you will see that never 
ever anyone has opened the eyes of the blind. 那你如果仔细读旧约的话，没有任何一个人让一个盲人能够看见。There are all sorts of miracles in the Old Testament, plenty of them. 那在旧约许多的这个神迹。But no one has ever opened the eyes of the blind. 但是没有让一个盲人能够看见。And yet Isaiah says that when Messiah comes, he would open the eyes of the blind. 那在以赛亚说，所提到说是当他弥赛亚来的时候，他会开启这盲人的眼睛。And in chapter twelve of Matthew, when our Lord Jesus he performs exactly that sign, that miracle, the multitudes even begin to wonder, could he be the son of David? That that's that's the same to as to say, could he be the Messiah? 那在马太福音第十二章，这些人看到的时候，他在一直这个呃盲人的时候，他们就想说，这难道是？ and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they say, hmm, no. This one is casting out demons by the power of It's not that they do not have enough evidence to know this is the king, this is the Messiah, but it's a willful a willful decision. We don't want this. We are not going to believe no matter what. Well, it's in this context that our Lord says the verse that we read at the beginning. He says, The Queen of the South will rise up with this generation at the judgment. And we will condemn it, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Our Lord Jesus Himself, He is the one, He is the King, which is much greater than Solomon. It's very interesting because there is this little word that gives tremendous force to this verse. Our Lord, just, he doesn't just state, here is someone, someone that is greater than Solomon. He says, behold, here is something greater than Solomon. That little word, behold, if you're going to ask, he who has more will be given to him. What is that thing that some people have? And he who does not have, even what he has will be removed from him. What is the thing that they do not have? What is that difference? Personally, I feel that when you read chapter 12, you have two categories of people that explain those he who has and he who does not have. On the one hand, you have those disciples. The disciples are those that beheld the Lord Jesus, that paid special, that's beholding, is a call to pay attention. Is a call to consider. Here is the king. Here is the one that is greater than Solomon. The disciples, they responded to that invitation. 
那一方面有这些门徒，他们是定睛在耶稣身上，那他们也回应了这个邀请。They are the ones doing the will of the Father. That the Lord, the Lord can say, they are my my mother, they are my sister, they are my brother. 那他们也是做行主的旨意的人，那他就是他们的弟兄，他们的母亲。They have seen the King. They have submitted their lives to the Lord Jesus as their King. 那他们已经遇见了这王，那他们把他们的生命交托给给这位王。of course, the Pharisees are in, are in a completely different category. We are not going to believe no matter what. But think on the multitude for a second. The multitude are the ones that are kind of, oh, could he be? Yes, he opened the, the eyes of the blind. Could he be the king? However, despite the evidence, they never responded in anointing, in making the Lord Jesus Do you see what is the thing that some have and will have more, and some do not have, and even what they have will be taken away from them? The disciples have responded to that gracious invitation that is given to all of us. And they have considered Jesus. They have made him their king, submitted to him. And to them, the Lord can open that revelation, give them even more. On the other hand, think on the multitudes. They are, hmm, their response is not what it should be. And even what they have, eventually, is taken away. The window of opportunity, if you will, will close. What is the key factor that makes the difference between Responding that gracious invitation to behold the king and you give your life to you if you respond, and the opposite of not considering him and not responding. What is the key between those two spiritualities? Our Lord Jesus explains it. Did you notice that? When he quotes Isaiah? Why some people understand he's the king? I submit my life to him. And why some people never get to that understanding? Oh, of course. Now we know the answer. If it's a matter of understanding, it has to be something related to our brains, right? No. When you read our Lord Jesus quoting Isaiah, he speaks about understanding, and he speaks, these people do not understand. But what is behind that lack of understanding has nothing to do with the lack of intellectual capacity. Let me read again the whole quotation, starting in verse 14. You will keep on hearing 
but will not understand. See, this explains the attitude of the multitude. They saw the king open in the eyes. They never understood he's the king. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart, here's the key, brothers and sisters, for the heart of his people has become dull. I'm being told that in, in Mandarin it's different. I believe this translation is pretty accurate, but I read to you. <laughs> Anyways, the heart condition will determine, brothers and sisters, do we see, do we behold the king? And beholding him means the doors are open for the Lord to give you even more. Not beholding, not responding, means that something is blocked. And eventually, even what you have can be taken away. The simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. The term purity, oftentimes in scripture, it will refer sim- simply to a matter of singleness of heart. Something where there is something that doesn't have mixture. There is a single objective. Christ. He is my king. Dear saints, I felt that I touched something of that pure desire for the Lord in these dear saints down there in Santa Clara. And what a blessing to see how much the Lord is giving to them. I'm not talking simply on numbers, which, of course, in itself, it's kind of quite impressive that you have such numbers and so many people coming to the Lord. There is something that is way more than that, I feel. It's a matter of are we really seeing our Lord, experiencing our Lord? I know that I would like to conclude with a couple of final thoughts. And since I know that uh, our young people that came from Toronto, they had a wonderful opportunity, which makes me a little jealous of them, to hear about church history in that in that conference, which is, is simply marvelous. In fact, we heard a little bit of their testimony here last week. So something occurred to me, and I'll try to correlate something that I, I tasted in a small degree, but the taste is there with the saints, and something that you see in church history, in any movement of the Lord in church history. It seems that in every single move of the Spirit in church history in these 2,000 years, there is 
those that study church history, they will tell us that you will see some common factors that are there in every single genuine move of the Lord. One of them that seems kind of almost obvious, but is right there. If you look any any movement of the Lord in church history, any of those, as someone has said, mini Pentecosts that have happened in these 2,000 years, and I'm not talking about Pentecostalism, don't get me wrong. It's something that the Lord bringing us back to that beginning, to the way He intended. That's what I mean by mini Pentecost, right? You see that there is at least one thing that is common to all of those.那你在教会历史这两千年的历史，你看这些很大的这些运动啊，这个恢复的这工作的时候，有一个很大的共同点，就是他们总是会回到啊这个啊，就是像一个这个五旬节一样，就是他们就回到这个最简单的这个过
that the more revealed of himself, more is given. More is given because there is a heart open to him. And in any one of those movements, there is a testimony of the Lord's presence in each one of those movements. Dear saints, it's almost humbling to get to touch a little bit of that in the saints that I, I had the privilege. That's what I said that I feel I will never be able to say yes. I know what our brother Christian was saying. But I think I touch a little bit of what perhaps he meant. Oh, the testimony of the Lord's presence when he's doing something among his people. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't mean something necessarily dramatic. And what I mean is that sometimes we hear the Lord's presence and we may think that it's something necessarily extraordinary and super dramatic happening. Or sometimes we may think, well, if it's His presence, you have the crowd and, you know, the elaborate music. When you're in such a meeting, Oh yes, that's the Lord's presence. The music was so wonderful. So Actually, reminds of the story of Elijah when he went to Sinai. Remember when the, that mighty prophet of the Lord, when Jezebel said, "You know, tomorrow I'll chop off your head," and he fled for forty days and forty nights. He completely panicked. He knelt down. And when he got down to Sinai, he had a most unusual encounter with the Lord. Because he was there in Sinai. And the description that we read is that he was standing in front of that cave and he saw that mighty wind that was breaking the rocks. And the Bible says, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, all dramatic experiences, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, even more dramatic, I don't know, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blow, a gentle wind. Obviously, the Lord was there. Not in something dramatic. I'm not saying that the Lord cannot manifest himself in a dramatic way. Don't get me wrong. What all I'm trying to say is that something dramatic is no evidence necessarily of his presence. And we make that, we confuse that pretty, you know, often. Numbers, musical style, the things that sometimes we consider the dramatic stuff is not necessarily evidence of his presence. Sometimes it's 
two or three. There's nothing very dramatic about two or three, is there? But two or three gather in my name. There I am in their midst. Because he's the center. See, that's what it means. In my name is not a formula. It's not a slogan. It's the reality of we are after him. And we submit to him. There I am. And that's the real question for all of us. As I try to wrap up this little testimony about something that I touch in those dear brothers and sisters. Is he the sent the sole center of attraction as we gather today? Can our hearts be found absorbed in our king? Do we submit to this one who is even greater than Solomon? When our heart, dear saints, by his grace, is found in such condition, something is open to the Lord to pour more and more to us. May the Lord be gracious to us. I know it's a little late, but uh, if two or three of you are led by the Lord, we can conclude in prayer.